0: Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with
1: your hosts,
0: Rob Woodbridge and Asif Khan.
1: It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 171. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.TV, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And today, today is February 28th, my brother's birthday. With me, as always, from Toronto,
2: it's... Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association, oh, the LBMA, and uh, yeah, we are here again in Toronto, oh, and it's man. cold, yeah, um, so it's cold, and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, being in Austin in, uh, in about a week, so.
1: No kidding, the warmth, I cannot wait, I cannot wait, Asif. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a jammed show,
2: uh, how was your week, was it good? It was good. Yeah, it's good. You know, actually got to be home and like you know meet up with people like you know in Toronto and yeah, it's crazy. It's like it, almost unheard of these days.
1: It is. Well, yeah, you picked a great week to be there. Like minus four hundred and seventy-seven. Yeah, all across Canada. I know we complain about the weather, but it is true. Canadians all we are obsessed by the weather. The it's either great or it's terrible. There's no in between. Uh, well, we have, a, we have a great show. We've had some amazing feedback from the, the, this new format, so we're going to k- stick with it. We have 10, ten stories that we're going to actually feature here. Uh, we have a resource of the week, and this time around it is an interview, uh, a portion of an episode that I did uh, recently with uh, the founder of uh, Thinknear. His name is Eli Portnoy, and uh, he's going to be talking about a survey that they did on about the state of location accuracy. Uh, we've got so we've got those 10 show 10 10 stories. We're gonna take three of them. We're gonna do a little bit of a deeper dive and pick some unique stories. And of course, we've got our calendar of events at the end. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the show. This show, this episode is brought to you by two great sponsors. Uh, retailmenot at retailmenot.com and uh, Mercatus technologies at mercatustechnologies.com. You'll find out a little bit more about those guys later on the show. Before we get into the actual news, our good friend chuck martin stop by just to give us this mobile minute here's chuck
0: it's time for another mobile minute
1: here are your hosts bob woodbridge
2: and chuck martin
1: well coupons still rule but price scanning is catching up isn't it
0: uh yes it is a recent stat kind of caught my eye and it was a, it was a big report for, on something else from from comscore uh and nielsen rather uh, Nielsen showed that consumers today are more connected than ever with 65% with smartphones, which which mirrors what, what ComScore has found recently. And what they found, though, is that the amount of time using a, a browser or app on the phone has increased 10 hours a month. And back to shopping, 87% of consumers are using smartphones and tablets for shopping activities. That's 87%. And they found that two thirds of smartphone shoppers use them to check prices, and about half. use mobile coupons. So we're we're finally getting to the stage where consumers are starting to say, hey, if I actually check a price with my phone, I could probably get a better deal. Uh, One of the things the study did not do, though, is it didn't say how consumers are checking prices. So we don't know if they're using other websites to compare prices, which is likely, as opposed to using things like Amazon Price Check, Red Laser, Shop Savvy, those kinds of uh, shopping apps, which are very quick for and more efficient, actually, for comparing prices. But we know they are checking prices and they're using mobile phones, so it's having an influence.
1: So you are a living test of all that is mobile payments, Chuck. You've tracked everything. How have things really changed in the last year
0: for this type? I'm really appreciating my credit card more (laughs) Uh, actually uh, I'm I'm joking but I'm still looking for something that's easier than a credit card and there are some things around that are pretty quick And then the issue is really gonna be what's the value that you get on the back end so there's there's still quite a ways to go we're gonna be talking about mobile payments for a long time yes we are and that is Chuck
1: Martin and our mobile minute of course you can sign up for those you get five of them a week sometimes six like for example that one that's the sixth one that you'll get this week if you listen to this uh, great 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 podcast but you can do that at untether.tv and uh, you can get it in your inbox but uh, we thank chuck for doing this allowing us to use it here and of course for what he does with me on untether.tv really appreciate his contribution all right on with the stories see. first off square the wonderful company that does transactions is trying to diversify quite a bit and they've bought a company called bookfresh now bookfresh what they do is they help local sellers create a self-service appointment booking experience which basically allows you to book a service offering with any of these uh, vendors that they have like a hairstylist or booking your car into a shop or something like that they uh, say that they're going to operate this company as a separate company as two separate distinct companies until they figure out what the hell they're going to do with each other Uh, and no numbers were released here but, uh, you know, it sounds to me like uh, this is a logical step for Square to do uh, to add to what they're doing, which is just in the payments realm and the, lo- and, and the uh, coupon and loyalty program. So this actually might help Square expand their reach a little bit, stay alive a little bit longer.
2: Excellent. Our second story is about a uh, company called Commute Stream uh... as in like commuting uh... traveling commuting commute stream um, and so this is uh... it's it's being launched in chicago um, and it's basically a big data play and and we'll talk more about this uh, as we go on but basically what they're doing is is using commuting data uh... Um, to, to understand the movements of people uh... and then you know kind of take that data and factor that into ad targeting um um you know from a geofencing perspective and what they're calling you know sort of predictive geofencing um uh, So, really interesting concept like i said we'll go into it a bit more uh in the uh, in the detailed stories later on but uh commute stream there you go
1: all right our third story uh one of my favorite companies i've had seth uh, on uh, on tether.tv a couple of times level up Uh, They're best known for their scanners that sit right next to these traditional cash registers that allow customers to pay for their product. Uh, Usually in quick serve restaurants or retail outlets, um, by their smartphones. They're in 8,000 stores and restaurants uh, throughout the United States. Well, these guys have partnered with a company called Foodler. And uh, so now for the very first time... Um, Level Up is letting people use their uh, u- use their service, uh, the Level Up service, directly from the web and smartphones by embedding their service right into the Foodler mobile app and website. It's pretty cool. So starting this coming Wednesday, Foodler users will be able to use the Level Up option to order takeout from thirteen thousand locations in the United States and in Canada. And I just wonder what the long term loyalty play in this is and how Level Up can benefit. But this is a pretty cool tool to take Level Up out of the store, and onto the web, and into mobile devices.
2: Love it. All right, our fourth story is about a company called Muber, uh, M-U-B-E-R. Um, and uh, this is a location-based, peer-to-peer delivery marketplace, it's called. So the idea is it's finding you know, travelers who are going to places that you want to get goods delivered to, uh, for friends and family, etc., uh, and, and maybe even for business, and you know, you sort of hook up with them, and, and they can deliver that package for you, and and uh, and get a little uh, a reward for for their for their time because they're already going there anyways. Uh, pretty cool. And again, this will be another story that we uh, we dig into a little bit deeper uh, as we go on here.
1: Where were these guys when Pablo Escobar was working with mules to try, you know, to, <laughs> to, exactly. to get cocaine across the border? This is a perfect front.
2: I know it is. Exactly. We're going to
1: talk a little bit deeper about it. All right, our uh, fifth story, um, y- you know, I love I-, I love taking the train. I say, I don't know about you, but I love taking the train. And, and I-, I love it not because it's always stalls and it's slow, but I love it because I get so much work done on the train. In fact, when I used to do it a lot between Ottawa and Toronto, uh, I would actually make a-, a to-do list just for the train. I would say, I'll get this done on the train. And I've often thought about doing exactly what we're about to talk about right here, Is about literally getting on the train just so I can get some work done going to book a ticket just so I can get some work done without any distraction and um, it seems like Amtrak understands this as well you know they were offering they're actually offering writers some I don't even know how to say residencies on trains in order to allow for them for uninterrupted and beautiful work time and this started with an author Alexander Chi who expressed his longing to write in on trains in an interview interview he did with uh, Pen America And uh, this resulted in literally a couple of other authors saying, listen, that would be the greatest thing uh, in the world. Their social media person picked up on this. And in fact, one of the authors, Jessica Gross, uh, did take a train ride, a writing train ride to Chicago and then penned an article about it in the Paris Review. Uh, there are they're looking to do this more often and she is actually going to be doing this at the end of the month as well Uh, and they're looking to do this with authors at least once a month or twice a month to take up residencies on a train and write about it this is absolutely fascinating i'm 100 in and we're going to be talking about this a little bit further in the show We're going to take a little bit of break here to talk about our sponsors our first one is retailmenot at retailmenot.com they enable consumers across the globe that are looking to save money and allowing them to find thousands of digital coupons from retailers from this great service at retailmenot.com and our second sponsor is mercatus technologies they help grocers to transform their data on shopping habits preferences and purchase histories combining this with their evolving demands and behaviors to deliver exceptional digital experiences for customers. Uh, love these guys, MercatusTechnologies.com. We thank them for being a part of this week in location-based marketing, and of course, for supporting uh, Retail Loco, which we'll talk about in a little bit later. All right, back to the stories.
2: All right, so our sixth story uh, is about a uh, a thing called Soundposter Poster 3.0 uh, and a campaign that they ran called can't touch this. Uh, so this is a uh, put together by uh, a bunch of uh, Dutch designers called Trapped in Suburbia. Uh, and they they run all the kinds of crazy experiments. But basically, what you're looking at is a poster, um, you know, an advertising poster, you know, on, on a wall, um, and it says "Can't touch this" on it. And in behind it, you know, using gunpowder ink and capacitive touch sensors, basically, you go up to it and you touch the thing and it explodes. Um, so you know, I like this <laughs> kind of sounds stuff safe. You know it's tactile, right? It's it's creating an experience. It's you know people want to touch it because there's something's gonna happen, and uh, yeah, why not? I mean, there you go, SoundPoster 3.0. It's a one-time experience. It's a one-time experience. All right. Our next
1: story involves something that I truly need right now and love often, which is coffee. A company, a a uh, Minneapolis-based coffee brewing company, Caribou Coffee. uh, They have has launched a it's real inspiration blend of coffee that was created in collaboration with their 2,900 Pinterest followers. Now, the reason I'm telling you about this is I'm fascinated on two counts here is that once, you know, they they actually, they're launching this with a 64 foot tall living Pinterest board at the Mall of America. So I wanna talk about that in a second. But the way they did this, they asked their Pinterest followers um, who, who basically were interested in doing this, um, if they could actually uh, send photos and sayings that inspired them. Now, uh, what Caribou did was that they took these images and captions and they created a blended coffee with the sole purpose, and I quote this, of inspiring dreamers to become doers. So what does the coffee taste like? Well, it's described as a sweet and thought-provoking light roast. I'm not sure what that means, thought-provoking.
2: Thought-provoking.
1: So and now uh, now this whole thing is, a, there's a huge 64 foot display at the uh, Mall of America and it is basically allows uh, anybody who can come up there to, um, when they're visiting this, they can vent- visit, uh, they have the opportunity to uh, immerse themselves in five interactive pins including an inspirational stage to motivate fans to pursue their passions which is really interesting. Um, they also have, uh, you know, they can do uh, little taste tests of the coffee, miniature caribou ca- uh, coffee that serves uh, the new blend, a chalkboard that invites guests to share uh, what most inspires them, and a photo booth that features life-size props where fans can capture the moment and share it with their social followers. So, caribou coffee launching a Pinterest-inspired blend of coffee at the Mall of America with the 64-foot-tall living Pinterest board.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Really cool. Yes. Really cool. All right, our next story uh, is about a, a new service called imguest.com. So it's just imguest all one word, .com. And this is a social network for travelers who are staying at the same hotel. So it's this weird. Can't it, you be know good. It, Yeah, I mean, we just talked a few weeks ago about Virgin America, you know, their network in the sky. And here we are now this week talking about, you know, hey, you're traveling, you're at a hotel. Well, who else is in this hotel with you? Um, you know, let's arrange meetups and who has sim- who has similar interests to us. So we're starting to see a lot of these sort of micro social networks be built based on location um, and, and connected to you know uh, common interests uh, tied to that location. So, you know, I think we're going to see more of these things. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you started to see these in, in office buildings and and you know big big towers where there's multiple companies and all that kind of stuff. Um, interesting stuff. So iamguest.com. Uh, go check it out.
1: The hookup app for hotels.
2: The hookup app for hotels. There you go.
1: That ends in divorce for everyone. It's exactly what it is. Yes. All right. Our ninth story. uh, You know, we have often talked about this, Asif, uh, where you actually add location into this whole world of uh, security and identification. So MasterCard announced a pilot service delivered with Cineverse, which is a terrible name, by the way. Uh, that will help crack down on uh, the possibility of fraud and the headaches surrounding that. Now, typically when you go abroad, you should notify your credit card company that you're actually leaving the country and going to a different country. Because if your habits are not that you're in a different country, they will suspend actual uh, transactions on the card because they think it is fraud. So as long as you... um, This is an opt-in service, uh, and it will make use of uh, geolocation technology and only let MasterCard transaction push through if the cardholder has their mobile phone switched on while traveling abroad. Uh, So this is a a very unique way of doing it. Or you could do something with the phone, which is just pick this phone up, dial an 800 number, and tell them that
2: you're actually abroad.
1: I'm just saying, there's an easy way and a complicated way. I think they're in cahoots with with the carriers, man, because they're like,
2: it's, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, you know, everybody's trying to get to some sort of mobile wallet. That's what, that's what this is coming to. It is absolutely ridiculous. And at the end of the day, the phone works and my credit card works and cash works pretty good too. Yes. So use the phone
1: for the killer app, which is to call your credit card company and tell them that you're not going to be in the country anymore.
2: All right. All right, our uh, our 10th story uh, for the week is about a thing called Stylinity, uh, which <laughs> is a style stage kiosk, is what it's been described as. Uh, and just of note for the fashionistas out there, um, wh- what's what's the woman's name on uh, What Not to Wear, Rob? Help me out here. I, 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 I could not tell um, you, unfortunately, Yassif, but anyways, I can look it up, yes. The, the female star of What Not to Wear is on the board of this company. Uh, I've forgotten her name now offhand, but anyways... Um, Stylinity. So this is an interesting thing. So basically, what we're talking about is, think you know, picture a photo booth outside of a change room uh, in, in a retail you know clothing environment. And you, you go in, uh, you try on the clothes, and then you walk into this kind of photo booth thing, and it's got, like, proper lighting and cameras, and, you know, you basically snap a, a bunch of selfies of you in, in whatever you're, you're considering buying. Um, and then it, you know, it basically can share those photos. It sends them to, to an account that they've created for you so you can review what you look like in these things and you can kind of make that decision you know on, on what you want to buy so you scan a barcode um and there's a barcode sort of upc scanner uh, for the items um so it pulls all that information you know in, into the account as well um you know as as you do this and uh pretty interesting you know um and and you know there's a couple of retailers that are uh, that are exploring this right now so we'll see where it goes um you know it was interesting because in in one of the interviews I saw on it, and I'll just say this one last point about it the um they were you know the comment that that uh, the interviewer was making of the CEO of this company was like, well, doesn't that like actually prevent people from buying you know sort of you know you're making those sort of um you know last minute purchases that you know maybe they hadn't intended on buying they they try it on they like and then they you know they just they just bring it home. And he was saying that, you know, their data says that when you take a photo and you see yourself on a big screen and this, that, you're actually more inclined to, uh, to buy the product, wow. you know, right when you're there. So that, that's interesting. And um, psychology
1: you know, of buying right there.
2: Yeah, the psychology of buying. There you go. And, and, and these guys, apparently, they, 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 they charge a fee for the actual, you know, machine being there. So like a lease fee, if you will. Mm. And they also get a, uh, an affiliate fee on um, you know, when, when people make purchases um, based on the images that they've, uh, that they've shared. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And it's all so their like, inventory. That's interesting. There's a revenue model, Rob. There's yeah. a revenue model here. It's
1: amazing. But there's yeah. also a maintenance model for something that looks yes. like basically like a four-foot-high iPhone. Yeah.
2: Right? yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it.
1: So, Stylinity. Tough stylinity. Yeah. Stylinity. What's with the tough names today? right those are the uh our 10 stories uh we are going to dive into three of those but before we do that i got two points of business the first hey have you ever considered supporting this podcast supporting untethered.tv you can do that i swear to god you can do that all it's going to do is cost you a buck a month at minimum a dollar a month now you got to think uh we do these uh episodes four times a month that's once a week Uh, So you got to think, is the information that we're providing in here, the insight worth 25 cents to you, uh, you know, a week? Is that what it's worth? That's ultimately what it comes down to, 25 cents a week at a minimum. And if you think that it is, well, you're totally undervaluing the show. But go and support us at patreon.com forward slash on tether. Give us a buck a month and we will continue to do this. If If you actually get up there to the $25 a month space, I will send you this, not this one, this one's well used. But I will send you something that looks like this. An Untether.tv mug. We'll send you some T-shirts from a Seaf and the yeah, LBMA. 1As, wow. LBMA shirts. I don't even have one of those. I need it. I need one of those. I got. I got to sign up at Patreon.com for. I'll, I'll, I'll bring
2: you one uh, at South by Rob.
1: Well, please. And the only reason I can do that, I'll get to South by if you guys do this. If you sponsor us one dollar a month. We really appreciate it. Uh, We appreciate the folks that have already sponsored us, uh, and we will appreciate you if you just go there right now and drop a dollar a month. That's $12 a year for this great content. Help support independent content creators like us, and we will continue to bring you the news in the location-based marketing, contextual-based marketing world. All right, that's my plea. I'm not going to beg anymore. I'm just a terrible busker. That's it. You don't want me out on the street singing. All right. Our resource, before we get into the stories, our resource uh, today is uh, Eli Portnoy, who uh, we have actually spent uh, some time. uh, He'll be up on an episode in a couple of weeks on Tether.TV. I thought this was very pertinent. He did this great study. His company, Thinknear, did this great study about uh, the state of location accuracy. Uh, He did a presentation down. He presented this for the first time down at a uh, media post event in Florida a couple of weeks ago. And I asked him a few questions about it. And I think it's relevant to this conversation about how accurate uh, location is when it comes to advertising the numbers are surprising here is eli to talk about it tell me about the state of location accuracy because i think it's this it's the giant elephant in the room that nobody's talking about that that maybe it isn't as accurate or we're not collecting the right data tell me about this
3: yeah so i mentioned earlier that location is incredibly difficult and it's nuanced and it's, it's hard to know how difficult it is until you're actually in the weeds trying to make it work i, I was once at an agency where we were talking about what we were doing and he said you know Location is so hard. I know because one of our big clients is a QSR, a quick serve restaurant. And when they send out a mailing to their uh, restaurant, one third of them get returned because they have the wrong address. So the, the franchise itself has the wrong addresses. <laughs> and, and I believe it because I see how bad like, some of the data that's out there is. And there's just so many examples. I mean, an example of it is you know, if, if you assume that Google has perfect data in Google Maps and you start using that to figure out where points of interest are, You'd actually be wrong on mobile advertising because what they're doing is they're finding the um, entrance or the driveway, and that's the point that they're giving you. But that's not actually helpful because what you want is like the rooftop point. You want the center point of it if you're going to make decisions. And that's just one tiny little example. But anyway, when it comes to location access, what we found was when we first started ThinkNear, there was very little location information coming with the ad request. There was probably maybe five. That was coming through. And a good chunk of it was active. But as more and more folks started buying location based inventory and more players emerged, there became this massive incentive for publishers to start passing location. They were getting paid more if they passed location, so they wanted to, and they started passing it. Now, the problem is it's actually not easy to get location data because you need to have permission from the user. The user has to have their GPS on. The phone has to have a clear line of sight to the GPS. and so, what was happening is they weren't getting great location all the time, and they were basically deriving location in other ways that were much less accurate and passing it as that long. So, what ended up happening is the market, the number of location enabled impressions grew, but the quality of those impressions um, didn't grow as quickly. And so, we started seeing a lot of really bad location information. So, we did this study, we did this experiment, where we basically ran tens of millions of ads, we asked users who clicked on our banner, um, we could pull their location on the website they went to and we pulled location straight from the finest source we could from gps and we compared the location we got those to the location that was coming in the ad request and what we found was only 32 percent of those impressions had location accuracy within 100 meters which is kind of interesting because what we also found was that 42 percent of the impressions were off by um over 6,000 meters which is like which is crazy. And then we looked again and we saw that 26% of the impressions were off by 10,000 meters. So it's just what we realized is that um, as location becomes a bigger and bigger piece of this ecosystem, the opportunity is growing, but also the, the junk is growing. And it's really important to be very thoughtful about really understanding location and the nuances and getting it right. Otherwise, it can be bad. But if you do it right, it can be incredible. It can be amazing. <laughs>
1: Eli Portnoy, ladies and gentlemen, like it's fascinating the study, the information that he's providing, also eye opening when you start to talk about how, uh, you know, how inaccurate some of these guys who think that they are being accurate are. So, uh, something to be aware of uh, that he's got all his results and all of the the survey information up at uh, thinknear.com. Uh, but uh, we appreciate Eli allowing us to use that clip here. And of course, I appreciate the fact that he was on tether.tv TV and that episode will be up in a couple of weeks. So stick around. Join the mailing list if you actually want to get that uh, to know when that episode is out. All right. Let's do some deep diving into some stories.
2: All right. All right. Our first deep dive today is about Commute Stream that uh, I referred to earlier. And um, it's really interesting. So, uh, you know, l- let me pull out some of the data on, on the size of this thing, first of all. So, the these guys, uh, the, the founder of these guys, in an article I was reading about, it says that, uh, you know, globally, there's about 10.2 billion public transit trips taken each year. 10.2 billion. Okay. That's like, Massive, massive numbers of people uh, that are that are using public transit, and and you know if we're able to understand all the data of you know where these people are going, where they're coming from, you know what type of transit that th- they're taking, you know, and, and ultimately what advertising is is in proximity, you know, to to these people as as they take these trips, uh, as they're commuting, you know, I think you can truly affect you know the ability for an advertiser to. Uh, use hyperlocal targeting to you know to achieve better results, and that's really what you know what these guys are going for here. In fact, um, they say that. Um On average, there's about a three times increase in performance over traditional uh, campaigns that aren't hyper locally targeted, uh, from an advertising perspective. Mobile marketer uh, data uh, around that. So, you know, I I think this stuff's really, really interesting. And, uh, you know, I'm like you, Rob. You know, we we talk all the time about uh, how much we think the data is the real play here. And, and here, here you have a company that's, you know, sort of trying to make a living just on that alone.
1: Yeah, you know they they say that they're hoping for a million impressions a month from these hyper local ads. And uh, yeah, you're right. You know, hyper local of course. I mean, that's why we do this is to just demonstrate the fact that mm. look, you know, national ads work, but most people shop hyper locally, right? So, uh, you have to take that into consideration. So, they've partnered what it was Chicago Transit? Uh, they, yes. That with the Chicago Transit Tracker yeah. um, which which reaches about 1% of the uh, the riders that are on on the bus in Chicago. Um so here's I, – I think it's interesting, but here's my beef. Um, yep. You, you're pushing me ads while I'm cruising down the bus on a bus going 60 miles an hour. Uh, not relevant at that very moment. I don't care if there's a pub around the corner from me as I'm cruising down the street heading towards work. Uh, so th- that's one of the challenges that I have with this is that how do you how do you do that? Um you know, they're relying on other people's apps. So they have to get, create the partnerships with the other people's apps in order to be able to, uh, to push these ads out. That's the second thing. Um, and, and the third thing is that if I uh, take a typical route Um, you know, if I take that bus every single day, Mm -hmm. uh, then I I know my route and I I know what's around me and I have my habits and, um, you know, the idea that it's for them is, is not really accurate. So those are my three beefs with this. I'm pretty sure that there's a solution to each one of those, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it in in the uh, articles that I read about this guys. these guys.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, um, you know the relevance of what ads being delivered. Number one, uh, you know your your point is yeah. I mean I'm I'm on a I'm on a bus. I'm moving. I'm traveling. At, you know at, at a speed. You know it, it better be something that you know I can take advantage of when when I get off the bus. Um, or there there's got to be like an awful darn good reason for me to you know get off the bus early to <laughs> to stop in at, at at some local pub that you know uh, that I that's you know. 20 miles away from my intended destination. So, I'm totally with you on that. And 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 there, you know, these are individualized ads. Like, you know, what I think would be interesting is is to also look at this data, and 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 see if if there could be aggregate advertising done based on you know the group or the audience that's on that bus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, targeted into you know the you know the sort of the out of home uh, real estate that exists inside the bus. Um, in addition to what you might be able to do on an individual uh, device level, which is what they're focused on right now. So, yeah, yeah, but I mean, the fact is, is that aggregating this data, pulling this data together, understanding individual, individual trip patterns, um, is is incredibly valuable very much um, and and you know it's just you know how, how you monetize that and how, and whether you can get you know this kind of ad impression that they're talking about uh, for me remains to be seen too and see, you know the, I,
1: you gotta maybe step back for a second because i i mean i get confused around this and i'm you know this this just doesn't it doesn't come com, it doesn't compute this commute doesn't compute right um for, for ba- <laughs> lack of a better way to describe say that this. ten times yeah, really I, fast I don't think fast. i could um, but quite literally, like, you know, um, you're targeting people on a bus and I understand, okay, look at, you're looking at data and patterns and movement and all those things. And I'm using the Chicago transit tracker light app, right. And I'm, I'm on the bus and I know where I'm going all the time. And, and typically like the guy who knows where he's going, isn't using the tracker transit app, right. Um, yes, but then my attention span to, to get me to, to, so, for one thing, that data is is weird because it's the same route that I'll be taking every single day. So, you're not going to glean a lot of information about me. Maybe I go every once in a while on the weekend to the grocery store, which is in a different yep. direction. So, for me, there's 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 opportunity there, but not much. But then the other thing is you're targeting me, but I'm standing at the bus stop. And I, and I know that my bus is going to be there in six minutes. So, can you uh, create, as we were talking about, can you effectively create a... a you know change my mind to get on the bus and go somewhere else right so can you make me uh, either change my habits or change my pattern or get off the bus sooner so I like I wonder these companies that are targeting bus riders Um, It's I don't know what they're trying to do with it other than collect the data. And if I'm on a pattern, if I got a habit that I'm on the same bus every single day, there's not much you're going to glean from me. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's as you say, you have to change the the pattern and and that's a tough thing to do. Right. And, and, uh, you know, as you said that, I remembered, you know, there was a a digital out of home ad done in a uh, in a train station in Poland about uh, two years ago. Um, so you know, picture big you know like um, you know Union station here in Toronto or you know Grand Central or any any of the big stations like that, right? like that are the hubs, uh, subway subway stations. and um, and so you you have retail in the complex, right? And so there's there was a McDonald's in the complex. And so what they did was is, right beside the board like the big giant board that said you know train to Boston arriving in you know 12 minutes and 32 seconds train to you know New Jersey whatever um, you know right beside that board was was a digital bill uh, digital billboard um, that was uh, McDonald's had, had bought for advertising purposes and what they did was is in real time based on the train times um, they, they, they looked at it and they said okay well because there's 6 minutes until your train goes you have time to eat you know uh 6 nuggets and fries <laughs> um That's smart. you know and and if you if there was more time you could have like a full combo or whatever you know of a big mac and it's, and they actually had this like this system based but that on time that makes sense yeah right it may it, 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 it it's so interesting i mean yeah it's interesting
1: but you know the other the other side to, to do this would be to um To do something so that there's notifications so you're standing at the bus station you're using this application and then it says like something comes up based on your patterns and says hey listen come 10 minutes earlier there's a coffee shop around the corner and you get a free coffee next time right something like that
2: that that yeah yeah changes
1: changes patterns but I, I like the idea of a train station or a subway station where you've got that timing and uh, especially train station. We were talking about trains earlier. We're going to talk about them in a second here. Is that w- why not do it so that, y- you know, hey, we know that you're heading to New Jersey. Take your meal with you. Right. And here's yeah. the, the incentive to do that. And, and
2: well, yeah. And you remember, I think it was Transpennine. Uh, <laughs> yes. in the yeah, UK. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Covered a long time ago. Yeah. And, and now this is train travel again. We'll come to train travel in a second. But um you know they had built a service where, like, they knew the destination of where you were going to get off the train, and they had all these, like, you know, offers and things for for businesses that were, you know, bit there at the destination. Um, so and that makes sense to me, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm not, anyway, I'm not sold on the right. bus side, I'm not sold on the bus side, but that's it. So, commute stream, um, maybe we should have them on to defend this, you know, and we can talk Absolutely. to them about this, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit leery about bus stuff when it comes to targeting on a bus. In, in, targeting anybody in a moving vehicle doesn't cut it for me. So. All right. All right. Let's kill that story. Uh, that was a long one. Um so uh, you really liked you really liked this, I, I did too, uh, MUBER, this peer-to-peer courier service uh, for travelers. Uh, you know, I, I grew up traveling. Um, I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on the road, and the one thing that they always say is they do never, ever, ever take a package across a border or into an airport or under an airplane that you did not buy, you did not pack, or somebody handed to you. Uh, because it was likely, especially where I was traveling in Asia, it was likely full of contraband material, which is, uh, you know, code word for drugs, Right. Um, so, I love yes. this, and that was my point is that listen, um you know they called people who carry drugs across the borders mules, so I thought that this should have been a mueller, but I, then obviously that would have had you know negative connotations, so they went with Muber Muber yeah
2: no, I'm totally with you, yeah, uh, I like now, this though to be to be clear, like the way I read this this service description was you so, so the persons the person requesting the delivery um basically goes to this site and says. You know, I want you to deliver, you know, uh, a package of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups Yes. Um, to, you know, my family over here in the Philippines because they're not, like, you can't buy them over there. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Um, and so you actually, as the person who accepts that task, goes and buys the Peanut yep. Butter Cups. So so you do know what you're delivering in the sense, like, you yes. bought it yourself. Yeah. Um, and so you know th- that's really sort of the the use case that they see here. And then peanut butter cups is a bad example, but, but it's, it's a, a good, good example, example,
1: right? Yeah, but like uh, um, what? Yeah, what they do is ultimately the person who uh, say you identify that you're going to go to uh, a place, um, and then. When you do that, it identifies the people who have requests. And then if you yes. say, "Listen, I'm going to bring those peanut butter cups to the, that people, those people, then it, it triggers a relationship. The guy who is interested in getting those peanut butter cups says, "Okay, I'm going to put the money, and Muber um, is going to actually hold on to the money for all of that kind of stuff, plus a, a service charger fee for your for your uh, being their mule, so to speak. Uh, You go out and buy the product, pack it, bring it on your destination. And at some point, you have to hook up and hand it over to them. And then Mm -hmm. at that moment, the transaction happens. You get paid your money back and you get your little fee for bringing that over the border. And it's very simple. I love this idea. But I always think, like, what happens if the product that you're bringing over is illegal in the country that you have been asked to bring it over? Yes. So something simple like uh, sending bubble gum or bringing bubble gum into singapore bubble gum is not yeah. allowed it is it's illegal allowed. in singapore so what happens when you get to the border and all of a sudden the stuff is confiscated or it looks it's like contraband and yeah. uh you end up in the in you know in prison um and uh and y- you've lost money and you have lost your your
2: freedom yes i, I have a canadian passport yeah we, we will bring the cuban cigars into the u.s Rob exactly I will. It's, yes that's perfect we're ha- yes we're happy to do it yeah
1: <laughs> so, but I, I, you know, that you could see this happening with a, with a service yeah. like Uber is that look, we need yeah. this, so I'm going to pay for your flight, your accommodation. You bring all this stuff in. Some unsuspecting poor sap says, "Sure, I'll bring a stack of gum or a bunch of Cubans in and uh, Cuban cigars, yeah. that is." And uh, but other than that, you just got to be educated. I really like this.
2: I, I do like this. I, I think it's it's interesting. And and the the founders were saying that um, it's based on a. Uh, on a concept uh, in the Philippines called Padala, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, which is where Filipinos who like they move overseas, and then kind of there's there's this custom that they're expected to kind of send goods and money back to their family uh, in the Philippines, and and so they pack it in, in these things called. Hold on, I got to read this. I'm gonna get this wrong. <laughs> it's okay. Balik, I've gotten this whole Balikayan show wrong. Balik boxes. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Balik Bayan boxes is is this thing that. um, Filipinos uh, pack pack these goods and, and and these services in that they then ship uh, over over to their family uh, overseas and that's kind of what inspired them to create this service. So I like it; it's cool. Uh, we'll see what happens in the legality uh, aspect, but yeah, really, really interesting. What, what's the bigger trend here
1: from from this kind of stuff? So I mean, we're renting out homes, we're renting out cars, we're renting out our we're renting our, out our parking
2: spaces, spots we're in out, our luggage. Now, yeah, is that yeah, what it is? The, the reality is is that you know especially in you know when when economies are suffering like they are still in the u s uh in and, and, and in Spain and other markets is that the reality is is that we all have something that we can monetize um you know whether that's our time, stuff that we already own. You know whatever it is, and I think you know we're you know we just see more and more of these peer-to-peer, you know, based marketplaces. Whether that's you know Zarae or TaskRabbit. You know you know you know you know how to play the guitar, Rob. Your neighbor doesn't and wants to learn. Well, hey, you know, find half an hour every week and teach the kid how to play guitar. You know, you know, and 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 I'm on it. That's a great business idea. You know, you know. I mean, that's what this is, right? Yeah. But, but, and I think also too, you know, the one thing I like about this stuff, not just the commerce piece of it, which is great, is I think this is a a way for society to create, you know, actual physical interactions with people again. Human to right? human. Human to human contact. Yeah, right? I'm with you. So, I'm with
1: you. You know, it, it, like it's a much better spark for conversation and business relationships than I than I think uh, our what was that our eighth story, our ninth, our eighth story, I am guest. Like, I think I am guest is just a big hookup, uh, you know, a hookup play. Yeah. Um, But, uh, but Muber is like, I I just like these trends and, and uh, for, this is a very innovative idea, very simple idea, but I think that this is a indicative of a bigger trend that is happening. And I just think, you know, I've got some space over here. I can rent out this space. A good friend of mine is actually doing that where you can, you, you know, you need um, a, a boardroom for a day or an hour. You can rent them out um, yeah. in Toronto and in Ottawa as well. And so when you start to think about, you know, what what's available, everything's available. You want to use my washer and dryer? Here it is, right? Dishwasher? Come on over. I don't know. Absolutely, right? So if you're interested, it's muber.com, M-U-B-E-R.com. Um, and we're probably pronouncing that wrong. It's uh, but dot com. And for, for the love of God, if you've used it or if you've done it, please. Come please tell us let about us it. know. Yeah. Rob at Untethered.tv or Asif at the LBMA.com. All right. So to finish off this triumvirate of uh, travel stories, Asif... This story was so fascinating about Amtrak offering writers free trips to kind of, uh, I don't know, to look out the window and ponder life and be inspired to write without distractions. And what do you think about this?
2: So poetic. Uh, for, you know, first of all, I think this is just brilliant marketing, right? So I mean, we know train travel is not, you know, glamorous and exciting to most people. And most people don't think about it. Um, you know, it's, it's not part of, you know, you know, when when we think about going on a trip, it's not the first thing that comes to mind, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how do, how, how do you bring, you know, some sort of excitement and, um, you know, thrill and, and and interest to to something like riding the train on a long trip, uh, like Jessica Gross did from uh, New York to Chicago and back? Um, you know, I, I think this is interesting. I mean, going after, you know, specific subsets like that, you know, people, you know, creatives, people who are writing, you know, and traveling across the country. I mean, like even in Canada here, I mean, that, that trip from... You know the East Coast to the West Coast and going through the Rockies and the in the in the glass. You know the cars Rocketeer. And, yes. You know all that. The kind Rocky of Mountain stuff. Rocketeer. Like imagine, imagine as a creative person. You know the inspiration you would get from that in terms of, you know, writing or art or you know whatever it is you do. Um, the only problem you know, Masif, I see is that
1: uh, the only problem is that uh, the creatives. Can't afford the ten thousand dollar ticket, that right? They're... So
2: that's why you need to create a residency. You do, like like, the, like they've yeah. done here. I think this is this is brilliant. Um, and, and the the other uh, sidebar story to this um, that came out this week with also with Amtrak. So these guys are all obviously on top of this. Is they launched something um, that it's going to be actually running um, next week, March fifth to seventh, uh, and, and it's called Amtrak Live. They've taken thirty digital leaders. Innovators and entrepreneurs, and and they're riding the Texas Eagle, which is the train that goes from Los Angeles to Austin. So this is a lead up to South by Southwest. Um, so basically, they've got some of the top you know digital people riding the train from LA to Austin to get to South by Southwest uh, and sharing with each other and and they've got like a a hashtag tied to this thing and they want people to talk about it and uh, you know it's it's sort of a viral digital marketing experiment you know with people on the train on the way to South by.
1: This is what they did, uh, British Airways did this with British Airways Ungrounded remember this one with uh, Whirly was on this where they put everybody in from San Francisco to London 100 of the top minds and uh, asked them to solve problems for the G7 Summit? Yep. I this is this is great but Amtrak uh, gets it and you you know what's interesting is the leveraging the way they leverage the social network right so this started with a story that was published in Pan America by Alexander Chi, and then uh, you know uh, it was Jessica that tweeted out said this would be the greatest thing and the next thing you know she's on a train from New York to Chicago and this is gonna start a trend and I think that uh, it's romanticizing train travel and as I said in the opening I love
2: it's amazing. I mean, like, I, love look, trains. I mean, we're both going to South by. If, yeah. if we could take a train and get there, right, and do something like this and all the social media stuff that go goes with that, yeah. I mean, as you said, like, get it and the work that we would get done on the way, it would be amazing, of. right? I, I've often
1: thought so, about like you know uh, I'm an hour maybe an hour and 15 minutes from Smith Falls and every once in a while I just need like that kind of time so I'm, I'm so tempted I'm 10 minutes away from the train station why don't I just get on a plane or get on a train for you know it's gonna cost me 40 bucks return just to go and get some work done and it's almost like I pay for it uh, because I, I you know attention deficit disorder and and quite frankly they say they have Wi-Fi on the train but it's not really great Wi-Fi yeah. so you can't be distracted by YouTube videos
2: so anyways the Amtrak residency but what's the, the lesson here Am-
1: so, so what's the lesson here for for yeah. for people here is there is is there something that comes of this for, for Amtrak, uh, the way that Amtrak did this, the way that they thought outside of you know the norm, or is this is this just uh, a totally you know opportune uh, thing that they did in order to be able to bring this into their into the into the media?
2: No, I, I think there's definitely something to be gained here for them. I think I think you know opening up the idea of train travel and you know the vistas and what you can see. Uh, I, I, think that's key in, in all of this. I don't think it's just about, you know, the social media benefit right. that they get from this. I think this is, you know, you, when you're in a plane, you're in a plane, right? You're not really seeing a lot around you. Nothing romantic uh, about that. Other than, other than, you know, you know, the, the person who's kicking you in the back of the seat and, um, you, you know, and the, and the, the, the stewardess who's spilling coffee, you know, you're, you're not seeing anything outside of that plane. Um, And and I think train travel is unique in that context, where you know you're not moving so fast that you're going to miss, you know, going by, you know, some beautiful like parkland or some you know some amazing mountains or you know whatever it is. And so the inspiration that can come from that, you know, for any any anybody, you don't have to be a creative, right? Um, You know, it could just be recharging your batteries on you know as as a stockbroker or whatever, right? I think is really really interesting, and, and and I think you know letting people know about what you know the benefits of train travel and what can come from it is really the the real byproduct. And ultimately, it should drive, you know, people you know to to ride Amtrak and 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 revenue. Ride so, the train, you know. I would take the train. The train.
1: And I would take and take the train into the states anytime, but uh, it's it's a twenty four hour train ride from Ottawa to New York City, because it goes yeah. through every it goes you know it goes through nineteen mm-hmm. stops and then stops overnight. Right, so it stops yeah. on the train. My worst—I'll tell you my worst train story—and um, it'll only take a second here. Uh, I actually took a train. It was a 17 or 18, maybe it's a 24-hour train ride from. What it have been? Uh, from Goa, from Bombay to Goa, I believe, okay. in India. And I had the—I I thought I was going to be very smart, and I was going to take the top bunk. There's a three bunks in this in in uh, in the train. And these weren't private rooms or anything like that. I was traveling as a, you know, as a backpacker. And uh, so you can picture you have this huge backpack on. And um, so I I thought I would take the top, the top, 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 top berth. So I did. And I climbed up and it's like, you know, 12 feet in the air. And and it's like, like literally... You know, six inches between my head and the uh, and the roof of the train and the ceiling of the train. Yeah. I got the first b- berth because I thought li- this will be f- the freshest place. But it's the first berth that's right next to the washroom. When the washroom gets full and people are in line, they just basically pee in the corners. And it happened to be my berth that they were <laughs> peeing into the corner of. The fans in this place were just were, were actually attached to my bunk, pointing down. So I had no circulation of air. So, finally, I finally fall asleep, and I'm jammed up there with my bag, and, you know, I'm sleeping on top of my bag, and I'm asleep, and I'm like, I finally fall asleep, and then, uh, you know, I wake up at maybe 2 or 3 in the morning, and the train has stopped, and, uh, you know, the conductor slept a full 8 hours. It was the worst experience. Amazing. Yeah, anyways, it was a 24-hour experience of, you know, it's what it's like in India at that point in time. Anyway, I'm sure, I'm sure that it's not like that on, on an Amtrak train.
2: No, and in fact, you know, Amtrak does. Uh, there's there is a Maple Leaf train that goes from Toronto uh, Union Station to uh, to Penn Station, yeah. and, and that's like 13 hours, I think, or something like that. All right, so, enough
1: train truck. So, look, I mean, we had a theme here about travel, um, and what do you think of those stories? Those are the ones that we found the most fascinating, and and then actually happened to be a to be a theme uh, as we, as we went through it. So, uh, yeah, that is it. There that's, you go. That's our deep dive. Uh, so, what's on the uh, schedule for the calendar? Anything coming up, to see, for the calendar for you guys? Yeah, there's this
2: little event in about a week uh, on the ninth uh, called Retail Loco, uh, um, kind of tacked on to South by Southwest in Austin. We're super excited about it. We're completely sold out now. It's awesome. Uh, there is a wait list though, so uh, you know, there, there's still a chance you can get in if uh, if you get your name on the wait list. I will uh, sell you my ticket. I'll sell my ticket. There you go, Rob. Will thousand sell you. bucks. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, if you're interested, come check it out. Like I said, it's focused on retailers. Uh, We got fantastic speaker lineup. We got all kinds of great brands coming uh, to this thing. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about. I had we just had a a panel uh, prep call this afternoon for for the panel that I'm leading, and uh, everybody on that discussion is is pumped too. So, um, you know, I I think I think there's gonna be a lot of energy in the room. Um, By the way. we were talking about coffee earlier, yes, and specifically about caribou coffee. Austin Java, which is one of the, the like the famous best coffee uh, places in Austin, is sponsoring now. We just got them on board, so we're going to be drinking Austin Java, uh,
1: the whole Austin, time. Austin Java,
2: there, love so, it, Austin Java,
1: yeah. So, we're, so we should yeah. just send people to uh the lbma.com for slash events for that one or retail loco, yeah. Retail just go, loco. You can go directly Co. to
2: retail c o. yeah.
1: What else are you guys doing? Is that it? Uh, any other events for the? We LVB? have a
2: Dallas. The Dallas chapter has an event on uh, March the twenty fifth. Uh, so it's it's like Texas month for us. And uh, yeah, and then uh, very that's on Beacons, we'll be right? So
1: the one on the twenty fifth is on Beacons.
2: That's on Beacons. That's yeah, that's right. That's the worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, that's on Beacons. Uh, and then shortly after that, we'll be announcing. Uh, we haven't officially announced yet, but uh, we've got. Um, Events coming up in San Francisco um, and here in Toronto. And then also, um, uh, we're launching a new chapter. Um, Another in, one? Uh, a new chapter in, uh, in, in Stockholm, in Sweden. Oh. So exciting um, go, things going on. You
1: get to go cut the ribbon for that one as well? I do. I love yeah. that.
2: I, I know. See, it's great. Well,
1: uh, for me, it's uh, very, very, very simple. If you guys are in Toronto next week, uh, this week, then you're listening to this, in fact. Uh, I'm speaking at uh, DX3 Canada. Just go to DX3Canada.com and you'll find out all that you need to do. I'm kicking off the mobile stream. Actually, I'm hosting the whole damn thing over two days. I'm hosting the whole mobile stream. I'm excited. got some great speakers in that stream, including myself, but I get to kick it off and then I get to sit back and listen and learn. So if you can make it out to DX3.com, go to DX3Canada.com and register there. Um, and I think that the the actual um, place where you can you, you know where you see all the booths, the uh, show floor is free, so you can come on down there, and I'll be out kicking around at, at that point. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that is it. Well, we've just killed episode one seventy one. X. Ex- well, you know, I can't wait for one seventy two because uh, we'll be done DX three Canada and gearing up for Retail Loco. I'm so pumped. I Cannot
2: wait. Yeah. Are we are we going to do it live, Rob? I'm gonna. We're gonna have to. Let's do it live. We're gonna have to going to have to live from south by southwest from retail loco yeah. episode 172 172
1: until then everybody have a safe week hope you found some value here remember if you did 25 cents worth of value four times in one month that's a dollar a month and go to patreon.com forward slash untether to help us continue doing this show and of course we love Retail me not and mercatus technologies please thank them and thank you guys for sponsoring us and uh, see we'll see you next week back.